0: Welcome back everybody to another episode of the Jay Stevens Podcast. This is episode 23. And as always, thank you for listening and downloading to another episode of the podcast. Remember to always subscribe, rate, and review. It's a great way for people that have heard you for a new podcast to listen to to come across this one. And then remember to always get the word out about the podcast via word of mouth. The things that we enjoy in life, we are more willing and somewhat wired to tell other people about. So no matter if this is your first episode or if you have been listening since episode one, be sure so people know about the podcast. Last week, or maybe a few weeks ago I know I sprinkled this news in periodically for over the past couple shows but I did start and this is my first year playing college football fantasy I'm in a couple college football fantasy leagues and it is definitely a different experience than NFL I find it more fun I find that it makes college football even more enjoyable than it already is now for most of us if you're like me college football is your thing um, you, you look forward to this time of year. Saturdays are all about football. Even if you have things going on in your life, you are tuned into everything to all things college football even more so on Sundays. In Sundays, NFL, a lot of people have turned to red zone then instead of watching the entire game. College football games are a lot of fun to watch. The excitement from the crowd, the excitement from the commentators, the players that are playing, that are giving their all every single play. Trust me, it's a lot, a lot, a lot of fun to watch. So if you love college football like me and you love fantasy football, why don't you just put the two together and have a lot of fun with it? And this year was kind of one of those years where I said, hey, let me have fun with this. I didn't even know that it was a thing. Until so I saw a post on, I think it was Facebook, um, a, a group that I met, a guy ended up saying, hey, does anybody want to be in my college football fantasy league? I said, sure, why not? So I uh, he said, if you're interested, send me an email. I got his email, got on my computer, dot, 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 put everything in. And well, everything was good to go. A few hours later, he emailed me back a link to the league and the rest is history. In that particular league, I am two and one. Um, I am in that league that I am in also a public league. The public league did not start until week two of college football. So in that league, I am one and one in sixth place. Um, that league, it's um, more your traditional style lineup, quarterback, two wide receivers, two running backs, a tight end, a wide receiver, running back, uh, tight end, a kicker, and a defense. Like I said, more your tra- traditional style of lineup. Now, the league that I emailed the guy about, it's a different, if I dis- a different type of setup. In this league, I am two and one in second place in this league out of 12 people so first year i think i'm doing pretty good i'm sure a lot of these guys especially the guy that's organized in the league they have probably done done this before so for a newbie first time it's say second place through three weeks hey you're doing pretty good jay but this league the lineup's a little bit different you have a quarterback two wide receivers two running backs a tight end like normal then he has four flex positions uh, a wide receiver tight end flex, a wide receiver running back flex, a wide receiver running back tight end flex, and then a quarterback wide receiver running back tight end flex position, uh, also with a kicker and a defense. So you say why? I think part of the reason – no, I didn't ask the guy why he did this, but I think part of the reason why is there are so many teams like college football, if you only have your traditional lineup, there are so many players that are not utilized each and every week. So I said, well, it makes sense. There are there are 130 Division One A. College football teams that makes a lot of quarterbacks, a lot of running backs, even more wide receivers. So it's a lot of people that can play. Now, if you can narrow it down and say, I'm only going to draft from the power five or the group of five. Okay, cool. Even better. That narrows down things a lot. Uh, narrows things down a lot. Now you might say, Well, I want to take away from the group of five and only draft power five p- schools. Okay, cool. That's great. Whatever your drafting tactics are. So be it. Have fun with it. But I want to run down both of my starting lineups just to let you know how things are going. First, my um, the league that I'm one than one in in sixth place. Um, the public league I got smacked this past week. One twenty eight point eight to one seventy three point zero eight. Um, that that this lineup goes as follows. Um, quarterback Travis Travis Lawrence from Clemson. Wide receivers are Rondell Moore from Purdue and then uh, Demetric Felton UCLA wide receiver. Um, uh, my running backs are J.J. Taylor from Arizona, and then Stevie Scott III from I, from Indiana or IU. Uh, my tight end is Jacob Breeland from Oregon. Uh, my flex position, wide receiver, running back, and tight end is Keontae Ingram from Texas, and then my kicker, Cameron Dicker, Dicker the kicker, as my guy Gus Johnson calls them. And then my defense is from Austin, from Austin, Texas, as well. Those the Texas Longhorns defense. Now my other league that I actually ended up winning 242.88 to. 229.62. Remember, more flex positions breed more points. I am two and one in this league, second place out of twelve. Pretty good for a newbie, if I do say so myself. Uh, my lineup goes as follows: uh, quarterback Bo Nix from Auburn, that true freshman himself. Wide receiver Demetric Felton, once again from uh, from UCLA. Wide receiver from Wake Forest, Sage Surratt. Uh, my running backs are Travis Etienne from Clemson and J.K. Dobbins from Ohio State. My tight end, Jacob Breland from Oregon. Yes, have him, in, have, him, have him in both leagues. I figured if I have his, if I have his quarterback in one and he's good, I might as well get someone that I know for both. So I end up drafting, drafting him in both leagues. Uh, wide receiver now to the flex positions. Wide receiver, tight end, flex. Um, once again. Oh, his name, his name escapes me. Brian Edwards. I had it written down. That it, and I move my paper. Brian Edwards, wide receiver from South Carolina. Um, an- another, another um wide receiver, running back flex. Uh, Tamarion Terry from Florida State. Uh, wide receiver, running back, tight end flex. LaMichael P. Ryan from Florida. Quarterback, wide receiver, running back, tight end flex. Justin Herbert from. Oregon yes I managed to get Bo Nix and Justin Herbert on the same squad don't ask me it's just what I do and then I got my kicker uh, Roberto Blankenship from Georgia I call him the new age Kurt Rambis with the goggles that he wears and then also uh, my defense for this league is the Georgia Bulldogs defense from Athens Georgia uh, who have a tough test this upcoming week against Notre Dame because Notre Dame goes down to Georgia for that matchup but College football fantasy. If you are a fan fan of college football, if you're a fan of fantasy football, join the two together. I asked one of my buddies to play. If I if I started a league next year, he said no. I would just have Texas AM Texas AM and LSU players only. Okay, cool. That's you. That ain't me. I'm cool to have fun and get what I can. Hey, college football fantasy. If you like the two, football, college football, fantasy football, jump in. Put the two together. You'll have you'll be just fine jump into the deep end don't get immersed in the water your whole body don't sit on the edge with your feet dangling in the water with your with your upper legs your thighs and your upper body all just up outside dry no jump in two feet get your head under there you'll be just fine you'll have a lot of fun college football Saturdays will be a lot more fun if you're invested in college in a college football fantasy league let's go ahead and take a trip to Bloomington Indiana Because Ohio State took the trip from, or made the trip, from Columbus to Bloomington and had one of the most complete games that they have, or had the most complete game that they have played all year. Every single year, yes, it seems like every single year, Ohio State gets hated on. Not just by fans. I'm not primarily talking about fans right now. Talking about those people in the media, those from the different conferences, the Power Five conferences, those that um, we watch on TV, listen watch on TV, listen to on the radio. It seems, no matter what network it is, it seems like Ohio State gets hated on every single year. Now, I I think it's to a fault. Urban Meyer um, went undefeated in his first year at Ohio State, which he was under probation. But else aside from that. Seemed like every year Urban Meyer was at Ohio State, he had that one game where the team just played bad. I mean, we all remember that Virginia Tech loss. Oh, we remember that Michigan State loss. Oh, we remember that loss against Iowa. Oh, 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 don't <laughs> let me forget that loss last year against Purdue, that destroying, that molly whopping, where Rondell Mel, Rondell Mel, Rondell Mel, that's not his name. Rondell Moore put his name on the map of college football. Yes, we all remember that. We all have seen that under Urban Meyer. So a new coach in Ryan Day is here. Urban Meyer retires. He's down at Fox, uh, doing his thing, still using words like we when he's talking about Ohio State. I get it. I like it. I understand why he does it. But at some point, you would think he may take that we and start using different words to describe Ohio State or maybe his connection to them. But hey, man, if you want to keep using we when speaking of Ohio State, so be it. You have won a national title, numerous Big Ten championships, one of the best coaches the school has ever had. Go for it. Go right ahead and do it. Keep saying we. I'm sure Ohio State fans will continue saying that because Ohio State fans definitely, truly love Urban Meyer. But Urban Meyer's gone. Ryan Day's in. We saw a glimpse of, a glimpse of Ryan Day and what he could do last year, the first three games of the year, when Urban Meyer was suspended due to the Zach Smith debacle, the Zach Smith situation uh, that happened last year. So, Ryan Day is in. Ryan Day's system is in. Yes, he has Urban Meyer's recruits, but Urban Meyer's recruits are buying in to everything Ryan Day is preaching. Week one against Florida Atlantic went up 21, excuse me, not 21, 28 to zero in the first quarter. Seemed, seemed like that was, like was going to be a blowout. They were going to score 60 or 70 points at that time. What did Ryan Day do? Dialed it back. With more vanilla, more more cookie cutter, more. M- more just trying to hide back what he's going to be doing down the road, so when he, so that when he has bigger opponents or bigger matchups, uh, say a Wisconsin, say a, a a Nebraska, say a Michigan, say Big Ten championship game. Say when he gets to those opponents, he has more to open up with, more to utilize that they have not seen utilized this year. Next week, Cincinnati, goose egg. Okay, cool. I like it. I get it. I understand it. Ryan Day, uh, you're not just. Uh, having a good high powered offense with a, with a, with a, with a new quarterback in Justin Fields what are you doing? You're solidifying that Ohio State is not just going to be a high powered offense it's going to be a team that plays physical disciplined defense every single week. So you get to game number three you have Indiana I call them IU my mom graduated from the school. So we get Indiana Indiana fans don't like Ohio State think Ohio State fans are arrogant. Think that Ohio State is overrated. Think that Ohio State um, is never as good as people say they are. Think that They say all these things about Ohio State. I mean, I went, I went to the game on Saturday, and as I'm walking, just literally as I'm walking um, up the stairs to get to my seat, well, um, what happened? Well, one young man looked at my hat, saw an Ohio State hat, and he started talking crazy. He said, "Uh, Ohio State, is that you?" I said, "Yeah, man, that's me." I, I'm, I kept it moving. I mean, I'm not here. I'm not. I'm not one. I'm not Ohio. I'm not an Ohio State fan that's going to talk trash all the time. That's not me. I understand it's a game. I do this for fun. I have a rooting interest in the school, but I'm not going to be here to pick a fight. I'm not going to be here to get on get in Twitter wars with people. That is not me. Dan Dock is locally a local radio host, um, played basketball at at IU, was an assistant coach for a long time under Bob Knight at IU. He is known, and actually he keeps saying he's going to stop it, but it keeps happening. He is known for Twitter wars and getting in Twitter fights with people that have different views than him or may call him out of his name or things like that as fans can be pretty brutal um i'm not that guy i am not going to be that i may say something once or twice but i'm not gonna be going on for three four five ten twenty tweets about us going back and forth eventually it looks very stupid it's about nonsense and we forget about what was actually said to begin this conversation to begin with so we get indiana game number three ohio state comes to town and what and what does ohio's do what does ohio state bring with them to indiana did they forget their skills in columbus when they got it, when they uh, made the trip over did they bring their offense and forget their defense did they Bring your defense and forget their offense. No. It was probably the most complete game that Ohio State has played against Indiana in quite a long time. I can tell you that they held Indiana to ten points, and that was the fewest points that they had held Indiana to since 2010. It's the most points they had scored against Indiana since 2012. So just to tell you about a little bit about the history of this rival of the, of this matchup now, Ohio State does end up winning. Generally, it's by two by two scores. Generally, it's a fight first half, second half. Ohio State kind of pulls away. Sometimes, even into the third quarter, Indiana can, can somewhat put up a fight, but ultimately, Ohio State pulls away. The la- the first Indiana Ohio State game that I went to was 2015. And that was the year Xander Diamant, the third-string quarterback, got put into the game. And what happened? He almost beat Ohio State. He literally would have been an IU football legend. The IU fans would have rushed the field because of what? They beat Ohio State. That's one thing that at Indiana, that's that's what they want to do is beat Ohio State. Probably as much, if not more, than meeting their old rival, Purdue. They really want to beat Ohio State. They really believe every single year with hopes that this may be the year they beat Ohio State. This wasn't it. (laughs) This was not it at all. I was at the game, and it was very clear and evident early on that Ohio State was the better team. Well, not just the better team. They dominated the ball, dominated the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. It seemed like J.K. Dobbins can do whatever he wanted to do. All game. There was no contest, no confusion at all. J.K. Dobbins, the off the offensive line with open holes. J.K. Dobbins would pop through. The offensive line would open another hole. Another hole. J.K. Dobbins would 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 just keep going through. I think one of the most important things I noticed from J.K. Dobbins in this game was his uh, was his ability to pick up the blitz or pick or, or pass block. We all see the stats. 22 rush 22 rushes 193 y- uh, rushing yards one touchdown two receptions 14 passing yards one touchdown it, it should have been three receptions and two touchdowns he dropped the he dropped the pass almost to give me in the end zone at, on on one drive on one drive Justin Fields ended up taking running that running that ball in. But J.K. Dobbins, kind of the forgotten guy. We all talk about, or people all talk about Mike Weber around the country. People talk about Ezekiel Elliott around the country. Uh, Even Carlos Hyde, when he was there, going back a few years ago, they talk about him around the country. One thing people forget is J.K. Dobbins. He came in when Mike Weber was hurt his freshman year and had a 1,000-yard rushing season. Came in last year, was spelled with him and uh, Mike Weber back and forth and played very well. Now, this year, he is the man. He is the man. Now, Master Teague, Master Teague was there as their backup out of Tennessee, uh, or from, from the state of Tennessee, uh, set high school football records there in the state. So he has a, a good backup. Once again, J.K. Dobbins, this is your year. This is your time to shine. And he, and he has done exactly that. But honestly, the a couple things that I learned about Ohio State this week that I think everyone in the country should be put on notice about. Well, three. JK Dobbins can do everything. He's not going to boast about anything. He's he's just going to he's just going to basically do his job. That's it. Running the ball. He'll take the handoff. Hopefully, excuse me. Hopefully, I said he could do everything. I then I right after Oh, and then right before that, I said he did just drop a touchdown pass. I get it, man. We're all going to do that. No one's going to have perfect hands. But well, not everybody can be DeAndre Hopkins where they can go in an entire season and almost drop no balls. Nobody, nobody can do that. You got to be special for that. But no, J.K. Dobbins, his hands are getting better. Route running is getting better. His rushing. We all know what he can do out of the backfield running the ball. But One thing that I was most impressed with was his pass blocking, picking up the blitz, picking up that man with the the, uh, O-line was shifting or sliding so he could pick up that particular rusher. He did a phenomenal job of it. Not only J.K. Dobbins and pass protection, but also the offensive line. And Justin Fields as well. One thing that my brother and I, there were two things my brother and I talked about throughout the game. And one of them is also going to be the other thing that I liked about Ohio State. Justin Fields is very, very slippery and elusive in the pocket. Now, Dwayne Haskins, what did Dwayne Haskins do last year with the Wild State? More of your pr- traditional pocket passer. He was slippery. He can he can move a little bit, but he's wasn't going to be the guy that was going to be extremely slippery or sleep extremely elusive. Having great pocket, he had good pocket awareness. But I think Justin Fields takes that to, to another notch. Uh, I was watching that game, and there were so many times it looked like Justin Fields should have been t- uh, should have been sacked. But you know what he do? He slide to the left, slide to the right, step up, step back, whatever it may be to keep the play alive. Now there were times. I use defense. Their pass defense was actually a lot better than I expected, and there were times he had to throw the ball away. Now he was 14 for 24. There were 10 passes that were either either inc- that were incomplete passes. Now, like I said, there were two that should have been caught. That should have been caught. No, three. Chris uh, J.K. Dobbins. Uh, J.K. Dobbins dropped the touchdown pass. Chris Olave dropped two passes. Now that was so uncharacteristic of him, but it just shows about. Now it's not just the fields. His accuracy is there. He's elusive in the pocket, making all the throws and he's propelling this offense to do things. But I think last year at this time we didn't see the offense doing this. A couple years ago, 3 years ago, we didn't see the offense this clicking on all cylinders at this point in the season. Yeah, Obermeyer's teams normally they play very well. But I think at this point in the in the, in the season, Ryan Day's team is a lot better, a lot better than the teams normally are. Then Mr. Chase Young. Chase Young is a defensive end. We all have heard about him. Um, I I like Chase Young. I I think from last year to this year, he's put on some weight. He's put on some muscle. He literally looks like a a man amongst boys out there in the field. I believe he's standing at 6'5", 260 pounds. And he's just a mammoth of a man to try and block. There was... uh, my dad knows a relationship to the right tackle, so throughout the game, my dad would say, oh, I know that guy. I know that guy. I know that guy. Dad, no, you don't know him. You know his dad. What you tell you, you're trying to say you know him. More of your claim to fame. It's okay. It's okay. We've all been there. I know somebody that knows somebody that knows that person that I know. So we all try to have our own personal claim to fame. Dad, it's all right, man. I know you listening to this. It's okay. You don't know him. And trust me, my brother and I, we both said to my dad what we had to say about the situation. But... Chase Young, no matter if he was on the left side of the defensive line or the right side, of the, right side of the defensive line, his his get off, his his uh, bull rush, his spin move, no matter what move that he utilized at that time, he was able to do it on both sides of the ball. JJ Watt esque, Jadavian Clowney esque. Think about how many defensive ends that you know that you watch on a regular basis that flop sides that can go back and forth i mean deep in the tackles they normally have a shade or they they have one specific thing that they can do now being a nose is different than shading a guy it's a it's a completely different ball game if you're head up if you're if you're a nose you're head up on somebody or not not even shading the center you're head up on him it's different than if you're uh, over the guard it's completely different your footwork is different your, your, what you're reading is different. Everything completely is different. Your hand placement is different. Everything is different. And with Chase Young, what I noticed, along with his other counterparts on the defensive line, Chase, Chase Young, we expect him to do his thing. We expect him to get the sacks that he's had. Game one, he had a one and a half sacks. Game two, he had two, one and a half sacks. This past week against Indiana, he had two sacks in that game. But the entire defensive line was disruptive all day long didn't matter if it was the ones or the guys that were backing them up in their rotation all game long they were disrupting indiana and then also i don't remember and i've watched a lot of ohio state football i don't remember the last time this ohio state defense has been this disciplined this early in the season even their best year Not the best year. People say the most talented team Urban Meyer had at Ohio State that 2015 season, the year that I mentioned that IU almost beat Ohio State. That year, even even in the IU game, their defense has always been, they've been disciplined to a fault. They've been disciplined enough to win the game, even have a big lead even win by a, a large margin but they haven't been disciplined enough in big games it consi- in, in a consistent manner but i think this defense with with all the all, all the athletes and oh my goodness this this team was just stacked it just seems like this this team is going to be destined to go on a run that the possibly the run that Urban Meyer would have gone on year 1 at ohio state Ohio State fans, if you're listening to this, you should be very, very happy of your team. Um, you should be very proud of what this team can do this year. Yes, the Big Ten, their schedule is going to be tough. Yes, it's going to be very, very tough. But from what I saw Saturday, from what the future holds for this upcoming season, yes, um, I'm, I'm happy. Kirk Herbstreet, uh, uh, uh Man, he just, called, he just called the game. I can't think about Joe Klatt, sorry, I was at the game. I watched the replay later on. Joe Klatt. Then also Danny Cannell, who kind of gets forgotten. I try to listen to his podcast every day. These are guys that had had Ohio State on the outside somewhat looking in. Because somewhat of the track record, like I mentioned, someone of Ohio State needs to prove it. They've proven it. They have proven it. All of those guys have Ohio State in their top four right now. I'm not sure if all three, I'm not sure if they're AP voters or not, but all all of them have Ohio State in their top four right now. This has a lot with Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State playing very well, Georgia playing very well, LSU playing very well, Oklahoma playing very well. With all of the good teams that are out there right now, Notre Dame playing very well. With all of the good teams that are out there, that all the undefeated teams that are still, the teams that are still undefeated right now, all of the high caliber teams and good coaches that are out there, Ohio State being a team that is in their top four, says not just a lot about the team, says a lot about what Ryan Day has done with this team so far this season. Quarter of the season is done. Three games, three and a Ohio State fans be very, very happy. But wait, just just you wait. We need to see them. And I believe Ohio State will continue playing at this level. Game after game after game after game after game. I did predict them to win the Big Ten this year. I didn't think they'll play this well this early in the season. Think about the time, the last time you watched your team play and they had to make a critical call or a series of critical calls to win the game. Now this is not, I know it's a football season, we're all in football season, but this is not all about football. Basketball, baseball, soccer, no matter what it may be, think about a time when your team had to go through a secrets of time at the end of the game to make calls that were either going to help them win or help them lose. I mean, you I'm sure you could think about it. Saints fans, Saints fans had it just this past Monday evening. I mean, Deshaun Deshaun Watson with the Texans got the ball with 55 seconds left, went 75 yards in two plays, scored. Yes, let me say that for you one more time. 75 yards in two plays, they scored. Now ultimately, Drew Brees got the best of Deshaun Watson, Drew Brees and that offense. Drew Brees kind of caught Drew Brees did what he did just to <laughs> move move so easily. Just like put just just no resistance at all, it seemed like from the Texans defense. Drew Brees moved the ball. It set up Will Lutz for a 58-yard field goal, and the rest is history. That kick was all, one; it was a career-long, and the kick also, looked like it, it would have been good from about 65 yards. I've heard some people say 68 or 70. I won't go that far. I don't study kickers like that. But what I can tell you is that kick looked very good. Bucks and Panthers, Christian McCaffrey. What did he do instead of staying in bounds or just getting that first down like he he had the opportunity to get? He ran out of bounds and well, didn't get the first down on fourth down, and the Panthers ended up losing that game. Arizona State, Michigan State. What did Michigan State not do? Well, their defense had been has been stout all game, all night. And what did they do? What did they let the true freshman do of Arizona State? Move the offense, move the ball right down the field in the fourth quarter to win the game. But Friday night, there was a game that got my attention. Now, I was also away. I didn't get to watch the first half and then part of the third quarter of this game because I was watching a game of my own. I went to a local high school game here in the area. Two of the best teams in 6A, the top class in high school football here at in Indiana. So in the middle of that game, I'm checking the score. I was either, it was either the end of the first half or beginning of the second half that I looked at the score, and the score was 21, Wake Forest 21. North Carolina zero. So in my mind, I'm thinking I picked that game early in the week It's one of my picks for the week. And what happened? I'm thinking, okay, I got another, I got another pick wrong. It's okay. We're human. We're making predictions. It's for fun. But I do want to be right as a as a sports fan, as a human being, as a guy. You may want to say, I want to be right. I think we all want to be right. But I wasn't right at that time. So I and then I get home, but I start I, on the way home. I didn't really listen to the game. I started looking, I get home, I'm like, hold on, man, this, game, this game's completely different. What's going on? So, what I didn't realize was, it was a tale of two halves. The first half, seemed like North Carolina was not the team that had played the first two weeks of the year. Uh, they were just letting Wake Forest move up and down the field, do whatever they want to do. Wake Forest, like I said, took a 21-0 lead. So, in the second half, North Carolina makes a field goal, 21-3, Wake Forest. Second half, Wake Forest... Excuse me, North Carolina makes two touchdown passes, 21-10, 21-16. And then at the end of the second touchdown pass, uh, North Carolina went for two, and they converted on the two-point conversion. So you're thinking, okay, cool, 21-18, six minutes to go in the game. Jay, what happened? Did they win the game? Did they win the game? You may have seen the score, but what happened? Did they? How, how did they lose the game? How did they not come back? It seemed like they were playing so well. Well, with the last six minutes left, Wake Forest did what Wake Forest was, was supposed to do. Run the ball, eat clock, either score again or just refuse or not let North Carolina back on the field. Well, they end up letting North Carolina back on the field. But before North Carolina got back on the field, like I said, Wake Forest ate up about five minutes o'clock, made a field goal, went up six. So now going up six is different than being up three. If you're if you're up three, North Carolina can kick a field goal to tie the game going to overtime. But being up six, that forces North Carolina to put the backs up against the wall. North Carolina said, hey, we're here, we want to win, this is what we do, uh, we have Mac Brown, a national championship coach, uh, uh, he has a pedigree that he, that he that from what he did in Austin, Texas, being a long horse coach, hey, he's back, he's coaching, let's make him happy, let's win this for Mac. Well, what happened? After that field goal that Wake Forest made, there was no let's doing this for Mac, the first three plays with about a minute left with North Carolina having zero timeouts, which, you know, if you have zero timeouts, less than a minute to go, and you have to go the length of the field, 75 yards to score, your backs are against the wall. It's going to be a tough task. Well, the first three plays seemed like they were all on the same page. It's like Mack Brown and the offense, offensive of coaches had they had just basically done what they had coached in practice. It seemed like the players were performing that in the game very well. Now, granted, uh, first play, um... Threw the ball away. Nobody was open. Second play of the drive, 10-yard pass or first down. Third play of the drive was a, was a was thrown over the middle, which I thought fa- I still find that kind of odd. You're down. You're down six. No timeouts. Less than middle left. Why are you throwing the ball over the middle? Why? 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 Just avo- avoid letting the clock run. Avoid trying to have to spike the ball. Just get the ball to the sideline. Throw it out of bounds. Do what you gotta do, man. Just get the just get the clock to stop. But no, they they uh incomplete pass, which the ball was tipped, but it's still a Ball was tipped, but it was still an incomplete pass. So with 54 seconds left in the game, there's play number four. Well, at play number four, what happens? Sam Howell, dropped, Sam Howell drops back to quarterback of North Carolina. And what does he do? Looks like it's more of a quarterback draw, quarterback design run. Runs, gets six yards. Play number five. 34 seconds left in the game. So 20 seconds went off the clock between the start of play number four, start of play number five. If you're, if you're in your mind listening to this, this is why I mapped this out and laid it out like this for you that seems very very bad not a good situation for a quarterback a team a head coach offensive coach to be in to where you're letting 20 seconds run off the clock and you really haven't gotten anywhere started the drive on North Carolina's 25 now you're on North Carolina's 42 you're not going anywhere third and four play five 34 seconds left what happens Sam Howell drops back throws the ball Passes deflected, but Sam Howell catches it. Great awareness. I mean, good job for you. Now he runs, uh, runs a few yards, gets down to, the, uh, gets, gets down. Now we're looking at three-yard gain. Fourth and one. Play number six. Play number six is is snapped with eight seconds left. So we get play number four snapped with 54 seconds. 34 seconds for play five. Over almost 30 seconds off the clock between the start of play five in game six and these are the scenarios that i talk about that i'm talking about you don't want to be put in a situation where with eight seconds left you have to go 40 i mean 55 56 yards to just win the game with no timeouts where if you don't have the ball right if it's a fumble snap the game's over completely over so with uh eight seconds left on the clock north Carolina snaps the ball what do they do why I, i i'm still confused at this they ran a run up the middle no pass to the outside to get a first down. No, no, which is going to stop the clock. No pass to the outside to get out of bounds would probably would have gotten you a first down. No, they ran the ball. Okay, so they ran the ball up the middle. It was a big hole. The offensive line, offensive line did their job. It was a huge hole. Michael Michael Carter runs up the middle, runs to the left sideline and what does he do? Instead of running straight out of bounds, taking a B-line to the out of bounds line, no, he actually stays in bounds, runs and as he sees two defenders in front of him, he looks kind of scared, kind of confused as to what's going on. So as he's looking confused as to what's going on, he stays in bounds. So with three seconds to go, he doesn't run out of bounds. No, 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 no. Sorry, no, he doesn't pitch the ball back and someone runs out of bounds. No, no, no. He runs, and there's two Wake Forest defenders right there in front of him. They push him back, stopping his forward momentum at three with, with three seconds left in the game. Push him back, push him back. At one second left, yes, his foot did step out of bounds. I will say that his foot did step out of bounds, but with his foot stepping out of bounds and his four motion being stopped at three seconds, with three seconds left in the game, the referee did what he's supposed to do, moved his arm, wound his arm, clock kept going, game over. You saw after the game, you may have seen clips on ESPN, Mac Brown walking around with, with one second up, with with his first finger up to the point that there's one second left on the game. But little did he know, those referees were already back and running towards the locker room, probably uh, already there at that time. No, off the field, very close to being in the tunnel at that time. And also, if this was Mac Brown of the Texas days, even the later years of the Texas days, he probably would have got one second back on the clock. But since Mac Brown has been out of coaching for for a while, him putting his finger up. Hell holds no weight. Nick Saban, Dabble Sweeney, um, back at Urban Meyer was coaching, Urban, Urban Meyer, Les Miles, uh, Jimbo Fisher. There are certain coaches that when you put your finger up, those referees are going to notice you because they're, they're they're reminded to know where the head coach is at all times. This reminds me, which I'm going to close with this, the Jr Smith situation back in the finals. We remember uh, game one, 2008, 2018 finals, Cavs versus Warriors, uh george chills at the line he gets fouled 106 107 the Cavs are down george chill makes the first free throw ties the game 107 107 misses his second off the front rim jr smith gets the ball on the left block instead of shooting the ball going up there's 4.6 4.6 seconds left jr smith gets the ball doesn't shoot runs to, runs to the right side right corner of the at, at half court Looks around, gets confused, passes the ball to the corner for a corner three, which was missed, which was contested. It was also, contested. It was also a bad shot. Hey, I understand, J.R. Smith. You got confused, man. You didn't realize it. But these are the situations where you talk about. Coaches, remind players of things. If any of you coach, remind your players of those small details before that play. Not five, not at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Remind them again. If you're on the field, if... A lot, of you, a lot of you are probably going to may play intramurals, flag football, whatever it is. Remind people about moments like this because you can have a Texans moment, you could have a Drew Brees moment, or you can have a North Carolina moment or a J.R. Smith moment where it's just you for, your awareness, you forget the moment of the game and you start doing things that aren't of you that you shouldn't do and you lose the game because of boneheaded plays. Hey, clock management, man. It wins the game for you, it loses the game for you. Hopefully your team is on the right side of that every single time. Before we get out of here, I want to talk a little bit a little bit once again about Antonio Brown. Now, this is not going to be a long winded thing, uh, but Antonio Brown, um, not even talking about the sexual allegations that are out where I do. I I have heard and have read that the NFL is going to interview the young lady or talk to her this upcoming week. They did not do it this past weekend. And it wasn't because the games are going on. She got married this past weekend, so she, uh, uh, she, the accusations came out. She ended up getting married right after her marriage. Ain't no honeymoon period, young lady. About to get looked at by the league because of what just happened. But I saw people on Twitter. A guy I guy I went to high school with even put this question out: If you have Antonio Brown on your fantasy football team, should he play, or should Antonio Brown be able to play for the Patriots? Yes. Absolutely. Without a doubt. He should play. Well, why do you say that? Well, why? Well, why, well I'm, I'm confused. It's a question. I mean, if, I, if I'm if i working for a place, someone, someone accuses me of something with it. And the investigation is underway. But my boss, my, oh, the owner of the, the my boss still says, hey, you can, you can play. I know she's accused you of something, but there's really no proof of it just right now. Go ahead and play. Go ahead and still work. Uh, Okay, if I can work under those situations, why should Antonio Brown? We forget, yes, these guys are role models. Yes, they're athletes. Yes, we look at them in a different light than your average uh, worker, the average person that works every single day. But you know what? They're still working. This is their job. Yes, they're making millions, but they are still working. If Bill Belichick, Robert Kraft still say, hey, Antonio Brown can play, allegations don't stop us. You've seen the players that they've they've had on their team. They had not stopped them from playing before. Criminals and things like that. Look at Robert Kraft himself. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to go into the detail about, about what's going on, but you get the gist. They have had players like this before that have had things go on while they're on their team. What do they do? They If, if, they, if they say it's okay to play, if they, if they put their heads together. Bill, Bill Belichick, Robert Kraft put their heads together. If they say yes, they go ahead and play him. If the league doesn't suspend him, they're going to go ahead and play him. It's just how it is. If Roger Goodell says, hey, I want to put you on the commissioner's exempt list, allow you to get basically a paid leave. Hey, I'm going to go ahead and let you play. So be it. Go ahead and let him play. But the question that people are asking, should Antonio Brown be able to play just because there are accusations that he did something? Now, these are very, very severe accusations. But just now, remember, they are accusations. Yes, the man should play. Antonio Brown should play. I'm surprised it's the... I'm surprised it's a question. If there were other players like Tom Brady, Julio Jones, Matt Ryan, Matthew Stafford, would we be having the same conversation? I don't think so. It's simply because Antonio Brown just did what he did in Oakland that a lot of people are questioning, should he be able to play? Yes, 100%, without a doubt. Definitely, the man should play. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Jay Stevens podcast. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Dr. Underscore J 25. Once again, that is at Dr. Underscore jay the number two and the number five. You can still send, send all the emails to J at gmail.com. Once again, that is J at gmail.com. Remember to always subscribe, rate and review. It's a great way for people that has heard you for podcasts to Listen to to come across this one. Then remember to always get the word out about the podcast via word of mouth. The things that we enjoy in life. We are more willing and somewhat wired you tell other people about. So no matter if this was your first episode or if you have been listening since episode one, be sure to tell people know about the podcast. Yes, this has been episode 23, the Michael Jordan episode of the Jay Stevens podcast. I'll see you next time.